Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. It was the most anticipated summer league debut since... Okay, we've had enough Victor Wembenyama hyperbole, but it was a big dang deal. So, how did he do? Plus, the NBA is copying the NCAA tournament and European soccer? And a group of amateur baseball players just had their lives change forever. Who shocked us in the 2023 Major League Baseball Draft? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. On Friday night, Victor Wimbanyama made his NBA debut, sort of, at Summer League, in front of a sold-out crowd. But in 27 minutes, he went two for 13. It, it was not the best offensive performance, at least, but we saw the flashes. Then on Sunday, he goes out and almost leads the Spurs all the way back to beat the Portland Trailblazers with 27 and 12 on nine of 14 shooting, including two of four from behind right. the arc. Jeff Garcia joins me now. And Jeff, we talked last week about setting reasonable expectations. Sure. And and you were you were very level-headed about this. Yeah, yeah. Did you and, stay level-headed after Friday, though? He's a bust. I thought he was a bust. <laughs> after one game, uh, the, the number one pick is a bust. No, that tempering expectations. Again, you factor in he got perhaps some sleep. Uh, he wasn't in a rush to gel with some teammates. He just met. And you throw in the fact that, you know, his basketball IQ is pretty good. You, you know, he's catching on little by little. And what I liked about the game versus um, the uh, the Blazers, was that he asserted himself. We saw that, you know, the willingness to want to. I'll take the three. I would go to the rim. Sure, you know, the bad side was shown a lot. He needs to add some strength. A couple of times, the players are just come and rip the ball from him. And, okay, bye, WNBC, later. We're going this way. He <laughs> um, also saw, too, the other negative was when he was driving to the rim and clearly could have had dunked on somebody, but they body him and they move out of position. But that'll come in time. What you finally saw right now is exactly what he can become. You temper it too. Look, if I tempered it the last time, I'll temper it again. It is summer league, okay? And this is not NBA level yet. And these are probably not the teammates he's going to go to war with when the regular season starts. We'll see if he can duplicate this again. But for sure, absolutely a great performance by Wimby, uh, you know, wasn't shy, was was being assertive, as I mentioned. And can we just talk about that defense? Yeah. I, you know, that's going to be instant. The moment he steps on the NBA court for a regular season game, I've been on Lockdown Spurs saying this team has the potential to be a top 10, top five defensive team. Yeah. Just with him, Sohan. Trey Jones, if he's still around and he's not traded, but if he's just starting point guard, uh, can we throw in Keldon Johnson as well? Zach Collins, this team might be one of the more difficult teams to score on next season, but that's in big part to Wimby. Yeah, had three blocks officially, but you could just see how many times he sure. impacted a play where a player has to throw a pass a little higher than mm -hmm. they want to or a little wider than they want to. Alterations at the rim. It's not just the shot blocking. And to your point, if you're going to stay level-headed after the bad game, you have to stay level-headed after the good exactly. game too. Were there things that you felt like, other than the assertiveness, yeah, that we saw on Sunday that we didn't get to see on Friday? Parts of his game where you went, oh, that's cool that he got the opportunity to yeah. show that. That gives me a little bit 
of excitement about that thing. The one intangible I did like was a little bit more passion, a little bit more, mm. you know, willingness. Like, yeah, I'm here. You saw, I don't know how he flexed because I don't see any muscle on him, but he flexed. He did a flex, you know, in front of the crowd. Love that. I love the fact that he was really engaging with his, his teammates, really directing them. I like that he was very vocal on the stat sheet. Again, I like that he did take more uh, opportunities for himself. In the game one, I thought he was deferring a little bit too much. Yeah. We're really looking for his teammate. That's fine. That's good. I'm like, like that's good. Yay. Made some nice passes in that yeah, game, yeah. I thought. He made some nice passes. But in game two, you saw him want the ball. You saw him take the shots. You saw him drive and try to finish at the rim versus drive, as we saw in game one, and then dish out. All in all, just a great game from Wimby. Uh, again, temper the expectations. This is Summer League. But if this is your foundation, if this is the foundation we're going to be carrying into preseason training camp and into the first month of the regular season, yeah, Spurs fans should be very excited what's ahead for him. Keep up with Wemby and the Spurs by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Spurs on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the NBA is adding a playoffs to the regular season. Before we get to that, a Big Ten football coach is in big trouble over hazing. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and getting 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 bucks you can spend betting everything from the money line to the point totals to who you think is going to hit the first home run. Let's take a look at some World Series futures odds as we head toward the All-Star break. The Atlanta Braves are the favorites at plus 360, but I love the defending champion Astros at 10 to 1. And keep an eye on those fighting fills. They're at 27 to 1. Those odds are juicy. You can also combine multiple prop bets in a single game for a bigger payout with FanDuel Same Game Parlay, all on an app that's safe and secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. And visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Northwestern suspended head football coach Pat Fitzgerald over hazing allegations. But the university president said harsher punishment could be coming. Although Fitzgerald denies the allegation and former players have come to the Wildcat alum's defense... The Northwestern student newspaper published troubling accounts from a former player who suggested sexualized hazing occurred that either Fitzgerald knew about or, in their opinion, should have known about. University President Michael Schill sent a letter late Saturday night to the Northwestern community saying this very thing and admitted he may have erred in such a light two-week suspension. He wrote, In determining an appropriate penalty for the head coach, I focused too much on what the report concluded he didn't know and not enough on what he should have known. For the first time ever, Pebble Beach hosted the U.S. Women's Open, and 25-year-old American Allison Corpus shot a virtuoso final round 69 to claim her first major title, three shots clear of the field. Corpus is a former teen phenom from Hawaii who broke fellow Hawaii native Michelle Wee West's record as the youngest woman ever to qualify for the U.S. Women's Amateur Pub Links. Fitting then, as this was the swan song for Wee West, a trailblazer in her own right, as she said goodbye to the professional women's game. 
On the diamond, the Cubs beat the Yankees, who fired their hitting coach as they sputtered toward the break. Cubs win a thriller and the series in the Bronx in New York coming into this series. The Cubs have never won a game in Yankee Stadium, but they won two this weekend and won the series on Sunday, trailing 4-1 going into the seventh inning. They rallied with the help of a Glaber Torres air. Uh, and a huge pinch hit clutch two-run single to tie the game by Jan Gomes. And then in the eighth inning, they took the lead with a Seiya Suzuki sack fly and a wild pitch, and they were able to add on late and hold on 7-4 to win the series. It had been a very roller coaster, weird up-and-down first half for the Cubs. They still have a little bit of life left, trailing the Cincinnati Reds by seven games. They'll open up the second half in a must-win stretch, nine straight home games before the deadline to determine if they're going to be, I, I would say, buyers is out of the question, but sellers or standing pats. We'll see what happens, but the Cubs do cap off the first half in a nice way with a series win in New York. And the Padres got another series win heading into the All-Star break, this one against the Mets. They did it. They won another series in a row. Can you believe it? Javier Reyes here, Lockdown Padres podcast, as you know. Um, Padres win with this one, 6-2, behind Joe Musgrove, giving them the series win against the Mets overall. Aside from a Friday game that had a bunch of extra innings and weird stuff, bullpen stuff, whatever, blah, 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 and a Hassan Kim getting thrown out. Pretty good series for the, the Friars overall. I mean, Musgrove was great. Blake Snell, excellent. One of the more, quote-unquote, uh, standout snubs from the All-Star game uh, because of how obscene his strikeout rate has been and the fact that he's given up maybe, like, two runs in total over the last, like, what, three months, it feels like? Uh, but no, seriously, a really good series for the Padres. Uh, really good series for Manny Machado. He hits two home runs in this third game uh, off of uh, Max Scherzer, so that was really rad. Hopefully, he can start making up for a genuinely atrocious start to the season uh, in the second half. So pretty good game for the Padres to close out the break before the All-Star festivities. And the question is whether or not they can keep it going. And if they don't keep it going, will the team buy anyway? Is another story you need to know. The NBA is an international league after all. So why not borrow from international soccer and have a midseason tournament? It works in football. So why not have it in basketball? Nick Angstad from Locked On NBA and of course Locked On Mavericks. I can't wait to tell Kyrie Irving he's got to play more basketball games. Joins us now from the summer league floor to try and figure out what's going on with this midseason tournament. And, and Nick, for those who have not been in the weeds with all of this, and it is not uh, the most straightforward thing ever created by God or man, uh, can you just explain what this midseason tournament is going to be? Yeah, like you said, I'm I'm in the bowels of Summer League right now. It's happening, <laughs> and the talk has been about Victor Wembanyama. But if there's a secondary talk, if we could, it's been this midseason tournament idea. Adam Silver announced it yesterday and made a big deal about it at NBA Con. And the midseason tournament is basically this. It's like, a, like you said, a lot of these European soccer leagues do around the world, where in the middle of the in the middle of the year, you'll have these games that for the NBA will count as regular season games. They'll play a couple of, I think, four games where this game counts as a regular season game, but it also counts towards your record towards this midseason tournament. So you're put in this group, you play all those teams at least once, and then whoever has the best record out of that will move on to a knockout stage. And then there's this knockout stage where then. There will be some some extra games uh, eventually there when she, once you get to the end and the championship and then I, I think for fans like you said they they won't understand the the initial part because it is a little convoluted to try and figure out okay well is th is this game a 
a midseason tournament game? Is it not a midseason tournament game? That's going to be a little bit of an issue. But then once you get into these knockout games and you know that single elimination, win or go home, and there's going to be a championship trophy, I think people will care eventually. And so this is the NBA just trying to, all right, let's try let's try and boost these midseason games that aren't getting a lot of love right now. <laughs> people don't really care about basketball until kind of after Christmas. Christmas seems to start the beginning of the NBA season. So can we get it? to where people care about something at least before that. So I understand the premise of wanting the fans to try and care. When you say people, I assume you mean the fans. Can you explain to me how we're going to get the NBA players to care? Because I, they, I, don't, I don't know. How are they going to care? That's this. No, I wasn't just saying fans. I was literally saying the players <laughs> and, and right. Fans okay. As everybody. Well because, because people are load, like players are load managing throughout the beginning of the season as well. And so to get them to try and play some more games, to put some more meeting behind it, there is a prize pool of money. There is a trophy. And the, what they've done in internationals, like in, in soccer and overseas and, and things like that, is they've had these tournaments for years and years and years. So just in, internally, they have this value to it. The NBA, I don't they're know how important you because just they're important. put this in and say, all right, we're going to just inject. They're Yeah. And I tried to, I was talking to Howard Beck about this last night. And. I was just saying, well, doesn't the championship of the NBA just inherently we say it's important and so it's important? Isn't this the, the, the exact same thing? And he's like, well, but that's been around forever. I was like, well, it, it started somewhere, right? Like it, st yeah. it started somewhere. It's just a trophy. They get some extra money because of the like playoff pool and all that kind of stuff. But it is just a trophy. We put rings culture all over it because we put importance to it. It's the same thing with this. It's kind of it's going to come down to the players. Same thing with the All-Star. Remember a couple years ago the All-Star game was awesome because KD and LeBron looked at each other and said, "Hey, can we make this awesome again?" And then they did and it was a really good game. And then they've lost that over they lost the plot in the All-Star game over the course of the couple of years. So, there will be some good moments, there will be some moments where you're like, "Why are we doing this?" There'll be some moments where your team loses a game and you'll go, "Oh wait, that was a mid-season tournament game that affected us." And but just to have a couple extra single elimination NBA games to play for something if the players decide to care, if they look across the, you know, the court and say, oh, well, I don't want that guy to beat me, then then they'll care eventually, just like they do in any competition. These are the most competitive people in the world. Maybe they'll get it, or maybe it'll just be some more extra basketball. It is what it is. <laughs> the last thing here is it, you, you mentioned soccer, and this is, of course, what, what the, you know, soccer fans are going to look at this and go, this is a soccer. This is a soccer thing. They've been doing this forever. What we see is, especially the big clubs, they put out their their B squad. The farm team is is who go out there goes out there and play. Do you think we would see we will see teams take a similar approach? Like, hey, let's go get some of our young guys, some championship level guys, you know, championship level teams. Say, hey, we're you know the the Nuggets. Jokic doesn't have to play forty minutes in round one of the midseason tournament. That's going to be our signal if these players care or not, right? Like that's what's that's what's going to be. They won't do that for the regular season games because those count as regular season games anyway. But they also already do that in the regular season sometimes. Right. Say, All right. Well, we don't have to play, so it it'll just depend on if players care or not, and we'll know right away. I think it could happen, uh, but if you start to see some B squads out there for these, you know, these extra games that they'll be playing, the actual knockout round, and then the championship. Uh, then Adam Silver is is a little toast because then this whole thing is just not working at all, and they'll have to rethink it. Which the NBA has done. They, you know, they did an award show for a while and they scrapped it. They've done uh, all kinds of stuff. They've tried things. They're just trying stuff out, and they're not afraid of failure. And they're just trying something new to see if they can boost some life into the midseason of the NBA. 
Stay up to date on the biggest stories around the NBA by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On NBA on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, who is the talk of the Major League Baseball draft? Paul Skeen, 6'6", goes to the Pirates at number one. The question here, Jeff, and I've heard people ask the question about can he, like how quickly would he get to, uh, would he get to MLB? I think if you were competitive, there would be a case or a scenario where you could try him in the bullpen this year. But since they're not as competitive right now, I honestly kind of think the, the, the thing you should do here with Paul Skeens is you should probably shut him down for the rest of the year because he's thrown so much. But next year, I think I'm looking at bringing him in AAA to start the year. I'm sorry, AA to start the year, simply because he is so much more advanced than we, uh, than we expect. Again, I think he's the best p- college pitcher since Steven Strasburg, that kind of level of dominance. Uh, if you're the Pirates, what do you do with Paul Skeens right now? You shut him down. You shut him down. <laughs> Everything he's done. I, I agree. Everything you said is 100% dead on. Uh, you shut him down. You let that arm rest. That arm has seen so much work this year. We talked about the risk. And then next year, you start him in double A and you give him that route. You give him that quick route because it's a special arm. It's it's easily the best one we have seen in so long. Like I said, it is since Strasburg who... Uh, you know, if you weren't someone who was following it, then he was the most hype prospect I'd ever seen. Uh, and that was the year, I'm going to get myself wrong in this. I believe that was the year after Bryce Harper. But I could be wrong there, but he was the biggest hype we've had. And he, uh, yeah, I, I think you shut him down and then you gave him a double A and uh, he can be ready to help that young core very quickly. Yeah. So for context, what Paul Skeens did this year, uh, 19 starts, 12 and two, 169 ERA in 122 and two thirds innings. Uh, struck out 209 batters, so 15.3 per nine. Walked 20, so 1.5 walks per nine. Uh, seven home runs allowed. And this was the first year that he was not a two way player. Uh, at Air Force, he had uh, he he had 150 at bats last year. 100 and uh, 100 and 89 last uh, in 21 and did really well batted 314 last year with 13 home runs but this is something where uh, he's he hit another level as a pitcher and finally on the latest episode of one life to liv live a pga tour policy board member resigned as a result of concerns over the proposed partnership with the saudi national wealth fund Former AT&T chairman Randall Stevenson said he could not support the investment from the Public Investment Fund over concerns about the Saudi Arabian regime, especially the alleged role in the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The PGA said the CEO of this new joint venture between the tour and the PIF would be the PIF's current governor, Yasir al-Ramayan, giving the PIF a direct hand in leadership. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, what team needs the All-Star break the most? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.